0: Take them, please, and turn with me to Psalm 127, right in the back there. There's still one more right in the back. There we go. All right. Did we get the things delivered? Matter of fact, if you, uh, Dad, were received one of those, right on the front of that little gift bag is our text um, for you. You can follow along as I read Psalm 127. We'll begin in verse 3, read down through the end of the chapter, just verses 3, 4, and 5. Here it is. Here's God's Word to you and I this morning. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Let's bow our heads and pray together as we learn this morning from God's Word. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity that you have given to each one of us to meet in freedom, to come openly, to raise our voices in praise to you and in worship Of your great name, we thank you, Lord, that you offered your own Son as the Heavenly Father. You offered the Lord Jesus Christ to come to earth, to die in our place, to suffer on our behalf, to take the punishment and offer redemption from sin and ultimately justification and eternal life. You offer hope, Lord, for us today to continue on tomorrow. We thank you for that. We thank you, Lord, for your word that speaks to us. God, I would ask that we would be students of your word, that we would dig deep every single day to learn more, to mine more great wealth from it. Father, we ask, Word today that as we speak to fathers, may they, Lord, today have ears to hear Your truth and be challenged, Lord, by Your Spirit to live lives that bring glory as they raise children up or grandchildren up to love You and follow You. Father, I pray for this community. I think, Lord, as we mourn the loss of yet one more student this past week through a tragic accident, God, I would ask that we would know how to respond by offering hope and love and truth through the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, that the gospel would would permeate this community and that this community would be transformed through the power of the name and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we ask, Lord, that you would bless our time and may you be glorified. May, May my flesh not say one word, but may... Your spirit worked through me to say exactly what you once said. We ask Lord, word that it bring glory to the name of Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. And amen. I want to concentrate for a moment on that that one phrase that we read. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Like arrows in the hand... of a warrior as I, as I read those verses this week, as I was studying those verses, I could not help but stare at the picture on my wall in my office of my own two arrows that God has blessed my wife, Wendy, and I with. And I, and I thought about it. I, I thought, what an image. My children. Are my arrows? They are in my hand. They're in my control, and I am the warrior. Gentlemen, you know what I mean by that. I'm going to war. I'm going to be a big bad warrior. There's something about this, and I envisioned myself with with lightning-like speed, drawing from my quiver a Perfectly balanced, perfectly straight, well-crafted, razor-sharp arrow. I envisioned myself notching it into my bow with scintillating accuracy and making the kill. I thought that's what being a dad is all about, right? That's it right there. That is just a cool image that is given to us from the Word of God. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior. And then reality sets in. And and I thought about the time I was introduced to this ancient weapon, the bow and arrow, my very, very first time. It was a yellow bow. It was, it was fiberglass. I was probably 11 years old and I stood in a field. It was a 50 pound pull in this straight bow. And I remembered as I, as I, as I tried to balance the arrow on the bow and I began to pull it back, I, I was struck by how hard it was to pull this thing back. And so I'm straining on this. And as I strain on this, I, I inadvertently point it straight up. I'm trying to to gain some leverage to pull this thing back. I no sooner pulled it all the way back when there was a twang in my my arm. My forearm is throbbing in pain as the bowstring kind of grazes against it. I'm struck in pain and completely forget about the fact that as I look up, I'm like, wow, that is really far. That's really fast. It's so far that I really can't even picture where it is at this moment. I thought, that's kind of weird. Where to go? I kind of turned. I only had one arrow, so I kind of turned and began walking back. And, and no sooner had I taken two or three steps than right next to me, about four feet away, was this arrow that came from the sky out of nowhere to stick in the ground, and it scared, scared me to death. I thought, you know what, that's really how I feel oftentimes. So much for the arrow in the hand of a warrior. I feel oftentimes when I hold this, I'm like a scared kid that is holding on to something that is far beyond my capabilities. Think about how challenging this is. How am I supposed to hold this thing? How am I supposed to direct this thing? How am I supposed to guide my children? to follow the Lord Jesus Christ? How am I supposed to prepare them to hit a target, to accomplish something in life when I am so inadequate? Dads, am I the only one or do you ever feel oftentimes more like a weakling than a warrior? It's a big job. This is hard to do. Especially with the challenge of the fact that every single child that God has blessed us with is uniquely different. They are uniquely crafted. There's no two children that are the same. It makes it all the more difficult. I thought about that. Even even though we have two children, it's still that much different. The difference between a, a son and a daughter is huge. The difference in personalities. I could very easily become discouraged and once again, my very limited knowledge of bow and arrows came into to play. As I was saying I thought about, you know what, there, there really are two types of arrows in this world. There's target arrows, and there's what? There's hunting arrows or killing arrows. There, there are two different types of arrows. I thought about the first type of an arrow, a target arrow. They're for what? They're for practice. They're for fun. And, and I thought about, you know what, in a sense, that's like our daughter. She's, she's the one in our family who's, she's all bogus. She's really more concerned about, okay, where's the people? Where's the fun? Where's the party? So I've been firing away a hundred times, missed the bullseye. That's okay. This is fun. We'll just keep firing away. That's, that's kind of our daughter. Whereas on the other hand is our son, and he is what? He's the more of the Henderson side, more of Wendy's side of the family. Different personalities, different types of arrows. He's more of the hunting arrow. He's more of the the killing arrow. He exists to get the job done. Make the kill, go home. Straight and smart, that's all it is. Sorry, Mr. Bullseye, quarter of an inch. I'll make the correction. It's not going to happen again. That's kind of that type of personality. And there's different personalities that we're responsible for raising. Different types of arrows. Struck with the fact that this is really a hard task. Today, dads, this is a hard task that you have been commissioned with. And so I was, I was struck with great comforts, literally, as I meditated on the words of the psalmist. It begins with what? Beholds. That's the word, it means see. It says, dads, take a look. Children are a heritage from the Lord. It's the Hebrew word nakalah. It it means an inheritance. It means something that has been given to you. You really don't deserve it. But this one is a heritage. Matter of fact, it's used later on as the word reward. This has been given to you. And it's been given to you as a blessing. So first and foremost, out of the gate, want to think of children as what? Not being a burden. Children are a blessing and you need to view them as that. And that can be hard at times. It can be very hard. I remember one particular time I had come home late from the office and I was exhausted. I was laying on the couch and Wendy was making dinner. And our kids were little at the time. And I just laid down on the couch just for a minute. I remember our little daughter, kind Sarah, came running off and just diving, knees first, into my stomach and just lands. And I'm just, just sucked all the wind out of me. She grabs me by my face and she goes, Daddy, do you want to buy something at my store? And you know what it's like, dads. We're just exhausted. I have no air left. It's challenging at times. It's challenging and it's easy to see children as a burden. The world even communicates oftentimes that this is a burden for you to bear. No. Children are a blessing. I want you to think as a father how important your role is this morning. What is the purpose of an arrow? Think about it. What is the purpose of an arrow? If there's not a good archer to properly notch it into the bow, if there's not an archer that, that doesn't understand the fullness of the draw, if there's an archer that doesn't release the arrow with smoothness and deftness and accuracy. And so dads, I want you to hear me on this. It doesn't matter how finely crafted it your son, your daughter is. It doesn't matter how what? How straight, how sharp. It doesn't matter how gifted. It doesn't matter how knowledgeable. It doesn't matter how beautiful. If you are not there for them, if there's no accuracy, if there's no discipline on your part, then your arrows are going to have a great difficulty in hitting the target that God has designed for them to hit so, dads, you can be assured that if you ever, 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 for one moment, kind of lower the expectations, you neglect your responsibility, you negate your responsibility, it's going to be much harder for your children to accomplish what God has intended for them to accomplish. So this morning, Father's Day 2013, I want to give you three directives, very clearly from Scripture, based on the Word of God, that you need to understand, or your responsibility to do. With the children, with the arrows that you have been blessed with. The first one is this. Protect them from the dangers of this world. First responsibilities, dad. Protect them from the dangers of this world. Before you envision bigger bike helmets, okay, more padded play areas, I am not talking about please, please understand me. Of all people, I did not say overprotect your children. I'm not talking about the fact that we have literally little boys today that the entire day shuts down because they got a grass stain. They got a scraped knee. If I could pause for a moment and say it as, as, as politely as possible, we are raising a lot of wimpy boys today. We are we need to stop that. We are to protect them, but we are not to overprotect them. In Psalm, in Psalm 127, verse 5, it says this. The psalmist, in this case it's Solomon, says blessed. It is the word happy is the man who fills his quiver with them. Now, a quiver is something that is generally made of leather and or wood this particular time, quivers were actually mostly worn on the hip as opposed to the back. Later on, they were wearing them on the back. It can be worn in either place. And not only does a quiver vary in size, but a quiver can vary in in fullness. Now, my siblings, two sisters and a brother, all have at least four, if not five, children. And so they questioned, well, there's only two in my quiver. Well, God determines that. In a sense, some quivers are smaller by way of fullness. The Lord understands that. The closest that I can tell, in all honesty, from my studies, is that a man never went into battle with any less than seven arrows. So Bob and Jackie Reese, to our understanding, are, are the closest ones to getting it exactly right, according to Psalm 127. The word quiver is interesting because it's actually an analogy that is given for us, not only as a place where arrows are kept, but a quiver is fitting, not only as a place of readiness, but it's a place of protection. As long as the arrows are inside the quiver, they're protected from what? The elements outside. The, the, the sun beating down, they will not dry out, they will not crack, they will not get wet from the rain, they're not going to splinter not to be damaged. The quiver is a place of safety. It's a place of security. And I believe that the quiver here is a perfect type. It's a symbolic picture of the home. Just as arrows are protected in the quiver, so our homes protect our children. Especially in their what? In their younger and their formative years. And so we ask the question, dads, to you, fathers... What type of a place is your home? What measures do you presently have in place to protect your children from the dangers of this world? I'm not talking about only physically protecting them. Hopefully, you don't have sharp knives and loaded guns and live wires dangling near little children. I'm not talking about just physically. I'm talking about protecting them morally and spiritually. And so, Dad, is your home a place where you and your wife are carefully watching over your children? Are you closely and selectively guarding what is influencing and what is impacting the life of your child? When it comes to the primary areas, education, it's your responsibility to protect your child from the ideologies from the philosophies of this world that are being presented, oftentimes that are completely false, that do not have an ounce of truth? Are you protecting your children with the books that they're reading, the movies that they're watching, the music that they're listening to, the television, the internet, the social media, the influence of friends? Now please know that when I talk about protecting, I'm not talking about what? The the bunker... The bomb shelter mentality. Okay, I'm not talking about just drawing it in together. Okay, we're going to hunker down. We're going to let the storm pass, and then we're all cool, good to go. No, Jesus tells us, your children, you are the light of this world. We are not to what hide our light under a bushel. We have got to be seen. We've got to shine. The Apostle Paul actually writes this in First Thessalonians chapter two. In verse 11, listen to this. Like a father, excuse me, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and into his glory. Dads, your quiver, your home. Is it a place, according to what we see here in Scripture, that you are disciplining in love? Is your home a place that you are comforting your children? Is it a place that you're charging your children? You're teaching them. You're protecting your children to walk worthy. I'm not talking about we just we set up net nanny and then let them go. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about... Installing filters. I'm not talking about instilling curfews. I'm talking about sitting down with your children and telling them why. This is why we don't watch this. This is why we don't listen to this. You have to do that. Are you protecting your children from harm by example? The greatest influence in the life of a child Is that of their parent, their father, and their mother. Are you what? Are you walking worthy? So that a son or daughter can look up and say, that's exactly what it looks like according to what we see in Scripture. My dad is one who walks worthy. First and foremost, we are to protect our children from the dangers of this world. Secondly, we are to point them in the right direction. Secondly, we are to point them in the right direction. When Solomon wrote this, he shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies at the gate. Well, what does this mean? It it was in the vicinity of the city gate something important happened. Talk about the gate. Well, what is this, open and close? It was at the particular area that the gate was that formal court proceedings were held. I want you to think of it. We're reading Old Testament, New Testament. Today, let me tell you this. It's exactly the same. Courts do not exist to bring people in just to say, you know what? You're doing really good. Courts exist. Why? Courts exist because trouble exists. In this particular context, Solomon says, you know what, fathers, you do not need to worry. You do not need to worry. There is nothing for you ever to be ashamed about. Ever. When your son, when your daughter are seen as a blessing from the Lord. As a matter of fact, you'll notice, we didn't have the time to read the entire chapter. The Lord, the word Lord, is mentioned three different times in just these five verses. Verse 1, Unless the Lord builds the house, unless the Lord watches over the city, behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. What is this telling us? It's telling us, dads, as a good warrior, you are to point your children in the right direction. Well, what direction is that? It is by placing what? An emphasis in your home and an example in your heart that you're pointing your children where? towards the Lord. That's the direction we're supposed to point our arrows. You point them towards the Lord. Well, how do we do this? This, this, is, this is difficult. How, how can I instill the principles of God's Word into the lives of my children so it will ultimately affect them for the rest of their lives? Well, Moses actually gave some instruction in the law. Deuteronomy chapter 6, it says this, you... This is directed to parents. It's directed specifically to fathers. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 7 You shall teach them diligently. You You, fathers, shall teach them, children, diligently. That means with effort. And it means sustained effort, not a one and done type deal. Well, we had devotions on Tuesday, so we're good to go for the rest of the week. That's not it. We teach them diligently. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house. It says when you walk by the way. It says when you lie down. It says when you rise up. It gives instructions. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. It says that you should write them on the doorposts and on your gates. Well, my simple understanding of this instruction that Moses gives in the law, to fathers, my simple interpretation of that text, my, my translation of that text is this. Dads, hear me. The word of God is to be everywhere in your home all the time. That's what it means. The word of God, that is this word, is to be everywhere in your home all the time. Yet I have to be perfectly honest. That's still not happening. Every single Father's Day, I address the same subject. Repeatedly, we talk about the preeminent place that Scripture is to have in our homes and in our hearts. It's still not happening today. At this very moment, I could ask most kids in this room, and they will be able to give me more information about Harry Potter than they can about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. There's a problem with that. Kids know more today, any kid in this room today knows more about PlayStation 4 and Xbox than they do about what? The ministry, the work, and the person, and the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Which means what? Apparently, we're negating what Deuteronomy chapter 6 says. Apparently, we're not pointing our children in the right direction. Kids know more today about celebrities and sports and computers and technology and movies and music. They know more about that than they do the Word of God. Fathers are mute. Fathers are still failing in this particular area. I would go so far as to say that if we were to track and trace, and statistics prove this, that virtually every major negative category that we face in our society is directly related to a lack of a strong father image in the home. Promiscuity from our daughters. Drug use and abuse. Gender confusion. Increased Crime rate, rising inmate population, all connected to the lack of a father in the home. Dr. James Dobson says it like this in his book, Bringing Up Boys. Listen carefully. Our very survival as a people will depend on the presence or the absence of masculine leadership in millions of homes. A lack of masculine leadership Leadership. We have more feminine fathers today than ever before. Keith Meiering says this in Men's Life magazine. He says, speaks about the incredible power of a father's influence on a child's life. He states, when the father is an active believer, there's about a 70% likelihood that his children will also become active believers. But if only the mother is a believer, this likelihood is dramatically reduced to 15%. Fathers, you determine the direction spiritually your home and your children are to go. You are to point them in the right direction. It's your responsibility. and You will be held accountable before God, a holy, just God. Thirdly and finally, you are to release them. This is hard. You are to release them with great care. This is the stage that we find ourselves in right now as a couple. And let me tell you this. by example, this is tough. But let me tell you this: arrows were never designed to stay in a quiver. Arrows aren't designed for that. They're, they're not intended to stay bunched up, eating doritos, laying on the couch, playing video games. That's not the design and the intent. Of an arrow. They were designed, they were meant to be released. They were meant to fly. They're meant to hit a target. Life is full. Moms and dads, you know this. Life is full of those little releases. Remember the first time? Remember the first time that you dropped them off? Kindergarten, first day of school? And wow, it was just tough. They're not going to be there all day. First time you left them with a babysitter? That was a big stretch. First time they stayed over at a, at a friend's house overnight the whole night. They weren't coming home in the middle the whole night. They're staying at a friend's house. How about the time, scary time? How about the first time they drive out of the driveway with your car? There's this moment that's just like, ah, life is full. Of little releases that prepare us, what ultimately for our arrows to fly. I want you to understand this and take great comfort in this. Your arrows were given as a blessing, as a heritage, an inheritance to you that were designed by a holy God. They were designed infinitely through an infinite creator to bring the creator glory. Your children were designed, what? To expand God's kingdom. Your children were designed to be witnesses. We learn about that in the book of Acts in our study. Your children were designed to share the gospel. Your children have been wired to make an impact on the lives of others to influence other people with a reason and with a purpose. Your children have been designed by a sovereign God to accomplish something in His great sovereign plan. As a parent, we need to trust God with that. We need to understand ultimately that these children belong to Him and they're on loan to us. Trust God with that. And don't ever, ever hinder or hold them back from doing what God has designed and intended for them to do. And children, if I can speak to you for a moment, remember that this word released okay, does not mean that you never return to have a relationship or to share in love with your own father and mother. It's interesting to note as well in Psalm 127, it speaks about the blessing of children. Um, arrows are intended to protect that warrior. They're a weapon. Children... Can also protect, as parents will get older, children are designed even to protect parents from what? From loneliness. Protect parents from abandonment. Parents can look to their children to speak for them, perhaps one day in the future when we're unable to do that. To care for us. That's the design that God has given to us in His Word. The design for a godly family. I've heard of it. I've heard of it. Spoken before, I've not experienced it because I've not had a lot of bucks in my crosshairs with a bow in my hand. But there's something that actually is referred to as buck fever. I think think Scott can share a story about that. It actually exists where we're just at the very moment, at that very moment, we need to release and we freeze. Let me tell you, according to the authority of God's word, we cannot do that. We cannot do that. We look at all of Scripture. We look at our role. We look at our responsibility. We are to protect our children from the dangers of this world. We are to point them in the right direction. And we are to release them with great care. And what a blessing. What a blessing that we see from the Word of God on how we can not only celebrate our fathers today, but also challenge them according to God's Word to be warriors that are needed and see our children as arrows by God's grace in our hands. When you think about a father releasing his child to accomplish what? He has been called to accomplish. We have no greater picture than even what lies before us this morning when we think about communion. Where we pause at least once a month and we concentrate on what Jesus Christ has done for us. Why? Ultimately, we know as He was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, He knew what awaits. And He falls flat on His face and, and in tears and in heartache. He prays to His Heavenly Father, Lord, Father, please remove this cup from me, this cup of suffering. Nobody wants that. And yet ultimately, he surrendered to his Father's will. And he makes us say, but not what I want, not my will, but thine be done. And the next day he goes to the cross. We have opportunity to pause and to celebrate on what Jesus Christ has done for us. Very clearly throughout the Gospels, we are instructed to to remember this. Where Jesus Christ, when He was meeting with His disciples, the very night that He was betrayed, it says that He took bread and He held that bread up and He he basically gave an object lesson to those disciples. And He held the bread up and He said, see this, this bread right here? He said, this is a picture of my body. Disciples didn't clearly understand Jesus continued the lesson and He broke that bread and He said, just as this bread is broken, my body is going to be broken. And He said this, I do this for you. I love you so much that I am willing to have my own body broken. And we know that Jesus Christ suffered unbelievable physical pain to His body. Why? Because He loves us. He did this for you. He also, when He was meeting with those disciples, He took the fruit of the vine and He poured it out. And as He was pouring, He said, this, this is a picture, it's a type of My blood. This will be poured out for you. For you. We know that Scripture talks about the fact that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Without this gift that God has given to us, without Jesus Christ in obedience, fulfilling the ultimate will of His heavenly Father. Without His pouring out His own blood, we would be dead in our sins. We know ultimately that it is through Jesus Christ that His blood has washed and cleansed, has redeemed us. We have this wonderful picture that is set before us on a regular basis because you and I get so crazy busy with this world that we forget what Jesus Christ has done. And Jesus Christ says, you do this as often as, as you do it in remembrance of me. Don't forget what I've done. And so we invite you this morning. If you are a believer that is here today, I invite you in the name of the Jesus Christ and, and what, of Jesus and what He has done for us, I invite you to partake of this if you have acknowledged Him as Lord and Savior of your life, this is for you. And we celebrate the forgiveness that has been offered. But if you are here this morning and you have not received the Lord Jesus Christ, you don't see Him as the only one. You don't understand by grace through faith alone. And I would ask that you refrain from this. This is not for you. It would be meaningless. However, by acknowledging and accepting the Lord Jesus Christ, and his redemption. I welcome you to partake. I'm going to ask the elders at this point to come forward. They're going to serve this to you. The way that we do it here is we'll take that and we'll go out to you. And in just a moment, we're going to ask that you stand up from your seats. You can take that element of of the communion table, the cup and the bread, take it back. We'll ask God's blessing on it and we will receive it together as a family. bow our heads together and ask God's blessing on the bread and the cup. Father, as we um, right now in your presence are bowed before you, we, Lord, are given this reminder from you directly through your word to keep, Lord, before us. We thank you, Lord, for the bread that is a picture of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for the cup, which is a picture of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you that You have offered Yourself as a payment for our sin. Father, for every single person that holds this in their hand right now, we acknowledge, Lord, that it is through You and through You alone that forgiveness, that grace, that mercy, that hope and love, that peace come. We understand that. We recognize that. God, I would ask as we partake now that You bless us to our body. And may, Lord, we be reminded of this message of the Gospel that we have to take and to share, to be witnesses in this world. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. It says in Scripture, I received from the Lord, but I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus Christ, in the night which He was betrayed, took bread. And when He given thanks, He broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. says, in the same manner also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for that. And that's going to come to the worship team and close us in our prayer.